Welcome to Dove and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, MLB Chuck, now brought to you by the Internet News Network, Screenworks Entertainment, Atlanta Mix 108, Smooth Jazz Cleveland, and of course, Dove and Dragon Radio. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button down below and join me for all the new interviews. Bye. Welcome to Dove and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, ML Ruchak. I'm here with Therese Harrison and her wonderful book, Witch Hunt. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, appreciate uh, the opportunity to be able to talk to you. Now, I know this is the first book that you have out, so you didn't start off as a, being authored. How did that, did your day job lead into Witch Hunt? So, um, like you said, I'm Tatrice Harrison, and I'm also um, an attorney. And so um, as an attorney, um, I, um, you know, I've had many different things that I do. But uh, what happened that made me want to write the story was um, I got arrested. And um, I basically take everyone through what happened from me getting arrested up until the, um, well, from the incident to the arrest, and then basically take everyone through the trial. So after that incident occurred, it, uh, it uh, through a friend, it basically caused me to want to uh, write this story and to write other female, black female attorney stories that was similar to mine about how um, being mistreated um, or either being attacked just because of who they are or because of who people perceive them to be. And that's um, what brought about the book called Bitch Hunt. Well, we, we have a lot of things going on in the the professional world, we're bringing things to light in the civilian, non-professional, everyday life, but there's a lot of things that are swept under the rug, hidden away, and not talked about in the professional world as well. Yeah, that's true. And so people believe, some, I think people believe because you're um, an attorney or you're at a certain level that things don't happen, especially probably uh, legal situations because you wouldn't think um, you know, I'm getting attacked in a parking lot by a stranger that I would be the person getting arrested. But there's a lot of um, different dynamics um, that happens as black female professionals in any in any profession um, that that happens. But I can only speak about the legal profession. And so that's why I was compelled to write write this story, because um, each person's story is just very profound about the things that they were subjected to at the level that uh, profess, you know, at the level they were in their careers and still being subjected to the, uh, the type of treatment just because of the skin color or because people were threatened by them for whatever reason, without any real, there never was any real threat, but people made it uh, seem like there was some kind of real threat. Um, most of it seemed like it was pettiness, jealousy, and, and things of that nature. I talk about colorism, racism, and also sexism in each one of the chapters. Right. There's so much going on. I mean, you have the race issue that we're seeing play across the country on our t television right now. Then you have the whole women versus men 
and that goes any profession. It doesn't matter if you're flipping burgers at McDonald's or in politics. It's there. We just don't talk about it. No, we don't. But it seems like right now, this is the time. Um, my book um, just came out at the right time. Um, it was released on Juneteenth, which was, was even, even more phenomenal. And so um, it just opens up that uh, continuing the dialogue that's going on currently with the Black Lives Matter and all the other conversations, like you said, with, with sexism and, th- and uh, other, you know, other issues that, that goes on um, with, between men and women and also with, between races. Right, because we have that, this whole thing. If a man does one thing, they're a man's man. But if a woman does the same thing that the man does, then she's a bitch. Correct. And that was one of the things that I, um, I actually just had a conversation yesterday with someone. And I said, so you have the dynamics of black and white, but then you have the dynamics of uh, when you add in, I don't want to give away the book, but mm-hmm. regardless of whatever the color of the man was, mm-hmm. Because it was a man, it then became that it was a black female. And so basically what happened, the person approached me, um, he snuck up on me while um, my car was disabled. And so I basically didn't know him. It was like, hey, you know, leave me alone, whatever. He even tells the police that he said that I asked him to leave me alone, but yet you still get to me getting arrested. But the dynamics is because of the fact that then it became, I was the, I was the angry black woman and then here was this man supposedly trying to help me. And then I was angry. So the whole dynamics didn't change. So it didn't, be, it didn't become basically a race thing. It became a man-woman thing. So the race plays a part. But in this case, it became a combination of a man also, but also the race as well. is because of the fact that I was the, you know, I had a firearm. And I advised this person that I had a firearm. But of course, he told a different story. So now it's, oh, this, this angry black woman, you know, with a gun. So, you know, the dynamic of the whole story then changes because it becomes basically a man versus woman situation, regardless of what race the man was at that point. Yeah. Okay. So we have a lot of things going on. One, you're a legal firearm carrier. So that plays against you in a lot of different places anyways, just because you have a firearm. Oh, no. We can't trust a woman with a firearm. Then you have the whole woman who's mad that has a firearm. Oh no, we can't have that either. But if you put a man in the same situation, oh, that's perfectly fine. Oh, you don't need to. Oh, he was defending himself. Fine. So it's a completely different dynamic. And a lot of people don't, just take away the race for a second. This is across the country. Women, doesn't matter if you're Latino, white, whatever. You take away just the race for this one instance if you have a firearm, you're automatically labeled, oh no, you can't have that, or why do you need one? You need a man to protect you. Correct. <laughs> yeah, see, if, a, if, a, if the man is exercising his, his Second Amendment right, you know, he has that right to do so. But the dynamics does, it does play, it does play, a, um, race does play a, a, a factor in it, because really when you look at it, the brunt of everything that happened. So I, I, we were talking about the, um, um, oh shoot, I can't think of his, uh, Floyd, the, uh, the George Floyd situation, mm-hmm. along with the Breonna Taylor situation. Her incident, if I believe, or her death are, um, happened before his, but you don't really hear her uh, story being spoken about. 
her story didn't get um, get um, talked about until way after his story, yeah. um, his incident, the, the the death rather of him that that occurred. So there was more conversation about George Floyd than there was about Breonna Taylor. Why? Because she was a black female. The black female was at or at the bottom when it comes to these types of things. And then and and still today there hasn't been any justice brought to her situation. But because of the fact that it's a black, it's a black female, of course, it had been a white female, totally different story, totally different situation, white male again. But and even with George Floyd, he's even getting some recognition. But the, with the Breonna Taylor, it, there's barely any mention of that story. It's only being mentioned by people, um, you know, uh, that want the justice like myself or, or like yourself or other people that are talking about it. But mainstream social media, uh, excuse me, mainstream uh, media is not talking about it. And there hasn't been any discussion about bringing those people to justice. Why? Because Brianna Taylor was a was a black uh, female, and although she had you know professional job, you know she was in her home legally, and you know all of that stuff. And the police clearly were wrong in what they did. There's not really a whole lot of discussion about that. Why? Because she's a black because she's a black female. So there there's that. Oh well, she must have been doing something. Or, oh, they probably were there because she was this then people start to then try to give these explanations as to why and not look at the fact that this was wrong and this is why it was wrong. It's, it, it, the narrative is then trying to try to change because she's a black female. Yeah, I, I seen this when I was doing a radio show about Brianna and it's just, why don't we have information? I was trying to find information to do this actual uh, radio show. It was for a political, uh, for political stuff going on with uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, there's a whole list of them that we did, but I was right. having a hard time finding anything up north because that happened down in Atlanta about the case. There is nothing, right? And it's very and that's hard. My, that's my point. Very hard to do a radio show as a journalist, as a host, or anything without all the information that you need. Correct, and, and 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 that's the thing. You, if you have a black female that goes missing, there'll be very little um, information about that. But if a if a male, and regardless of race, if a male is missing, it'll be all over. It'll be talked about. Um, white female, of course, it'll be talked about. It'll be highlighted. Black women take the. We're the ones that take the brunt of everything. We're the ones that are holding everything together. But then when it comes time to us getting any kind of assistance or any kind of help, we're then, you know, labeled as a bitch, we're labeled as angry, we're labeled as too aggressive, we're labeled as all of these, you know, all of these things. There have been many a times when I've been um, speaking with attorneys and these attorneys will get very, you know, um, if, if I say something that they don't like, you know, they immediately like, oh, you know, you're getting, you're getting, uh, you know, too aggressive or you're getting too this or whatever, but it's okay when they're doing it. But then when I'm doing it, oh wait, that's a little bit too much. You need to, you need to, you know, you need to calm down, you know, and all this, all, you know, those other things that these tell women when women are getting in a position where they don't like something that's being done. And even if you say, okay, I don't like that, you know, then that's also considered offensive. But it's okay. They say that it, you know, that they don't like something. Men um, say something that they don't, you know, they don't like. So it's always that. Black women always having to check themselves because everybody is going to perceive them as being too aggressive, too black, too this, too whatever. 
And so again, that was the whole purpose of writing this book to try to highlight the things that, you know, we experience in the legal profession. Because even though I'm an attorney and I have all of this education, I still am looked at as a, as a black female when I go into court. There have been many of times when I've gone into court and I have my bar card that, that basically says that I'm a licensed attorney, like a, life, like a driver's license. Mm -hmm. And I still get asked again and again and again, even if they are given the card, which has my picture on it, I still will get asked by white males or whoever it is white. Are you an attorney? Are you an, are you an attorney? And I'm like, okay, what's the purpose? That's like giving somebody a driver's license and asking, are you are you licensed to drive? Right. After I've given you the license, and it's the same thing with saying, here's my bar card, but then yet I still get the question, why well, are you an attorney? Yeah, there's a lot of the dynamics that just need to be changed, policies that need to be changed, and opinions that need to be changed. Where we can change policies, we can change laws we can't change people's opinions unfortunately no but you could move you could remove some of those people or you could either vote some of those people out uh which is you know very very important but again my purpose of bringing this story was to just let people know hey these things are still going on again if it had been a, a white woman in the parking lot with this situation we wouldn't have even gotten to bitch hunt there wouldn't be a bitch hunt um, and then with everybody else's stories, it would have been outrage. There would have been an outrage about, oh, I can't believe this happened. Whereas there was no outrage for any of these women's uh, stories, uh, stories that, that took place. There was no outrage. I mean, there was some, but it was very, very little. Um, it, it, it was just like, oh yeah, you know, that, that's what happens. Um, if it had been a situation where, you know, I even told the person, I said, had the story been flipped and say, I didn't have the firearm to protect myself. And this person wind up doing something to me. Mm -hmm. That story wouldn't have even made the news. Mm -mm. You know, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have even been talked about, but me defending myself made the news. Mm -hmm. See, that made the news. But if it would have been, this person had, had done something to me, that wouldn't have never made the news. Or if it did, it would have made the news way in the back. Whereas my story of course was highlighted all over social media. You know, when, when, when the arrest took place, that was all over social media, um, all over the news. Now, when I got, uh, well, I don't want to tell that part. So you have to read the story. But the, 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 to find out what happened with the trial, and then you'll find out what happened with that. I don't want to give too much of the story. No, you don't want to give away the story, because then what, yeah. why do we read the book if you give away the story? But at the right. same time, what other books are you working on that we can discuss? So there, um, kind of keeping with the theme of the legal legal area, I'm writing a book on uh, corrupt judges. Um, so that book will be out. Um, I'm working on that now. I'm actually hoping to have that out by the end of the year. Um, so that's going to be called The Wrinkle Groves. So that's going to be about different judges um, that have gotten into trouble for various reasons. And just kind of um, doing the research on a lot of these judges um, you know, a lot of these judges are very, you know, very well um, educated. Um, they are very well um, connected. Versed uh, in a lot of different areas, uh, well, well, well accomplished, well established. And so it's just mind boggling that they get to these positions and then they're getting taken out over, you know, a bribe and they're working at a job that's, you know, paying them um, six figures 
and then they're getting, uh, you know, removed because they took a $10,000 bribe or they took a $5,000 bribe or whatever it is. And um, I think it's just interesting to see that they did all of these accomplishments and then they get to this position and then they get taken out for, fool, you know, for foolishness. Just right. We have a judge in um, a town near, near me was that was disbarred for 10 years, 10 years and one day after his disbarment ended, he was reelected. Well, people either wow. know the judge, so they reelected him because they know, hey, if I slip you a hundred and it's a parking ticket, I'm going to get off. Right. Um, or they just don't know who the judge is and they just go to the polls. Okay, this one sounds okay. I don't know who this is. Okay. I mean, how many times do people actually research who they're voting for? Especially, they don't, and especially judge races. Yeah. Especially judge races. A lot of people, the only time people will pay attention to the judge is when they've actually gone before that judge or they happen to know that person mm -hmm. or someone has told them about that person. Like we have an election going on right now um, and due to COVID really, but even, even if it wasn't COVID, the, the race was supposed to happen um, in the spring and it got delayed because of the COVID situation. So it got moved to, to right now where well, we have the, the fall elections going on and then this other election that's going on in between that that no one is paying attention to. But even if, let's just say that that election hadn't happened in the spring when it was supposed to, people still wouldn't have been paying attention to it because people just don't pay attention to um, uh, judge races when they should because judges, you know, affect your life either monetarily or either, you know, your, 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 live, um, your livelihood or either your freedom. So those are two important things when you're talking about your finances and then your, your, your life, your freedom of, of being able to be out and, and, and amongst people. So those two things are very important and you think people will pay attention to it, but unfortunately they don't unless until it affects them, they, they just don't care about it. Right. It, it's something I'm, I'm guilty of it as well because, well, if as a judge, okay, I'm just going to go flip a coin because one, I don't hear about the judge. I don't have the time or the resources to Google every person that's on the ballots. Right. And it's just, we don't hear enough to make an informed decision. We're trusting that the people on there are above the board and that they don't have criminal records for taking bribes. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, you know, I know some of these judges that, that did get disbarred, they wind up getting their license back. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, why, why they were able to get their license back. Um, I would think that if they did something, um, you know, um, dis, uh, disrespectful as a judge mm -hmm. or inappropriate as a judge, or any type of fraudulent activity as a judge, I would think that would make them not a good attorney, but, you know, I don't control the, uh, the Louisiana bar. So, you know, they, they make those decisions and they have been, you know, those judges that have gotten their license back and now they're practicing as attorneys, um, you know, and people may or may not know the fact that these people got into trouble, you know, unless they Google them, you may, you know, you may not know about it. Um, you know, I know one of the judges that I'm researching she ran multiple times, and I mean, she was well, well accomplished. Um, I mean, a lot of uh, accolades was licensed in a couple of different places, and so you would think somebody that's licensed, say, in this state, and this state, you know, she's got like all of these licenses, 
it's very it's it's very difficult to get up to you know to pass the bar exam. So to then do all of that and then to get finally get the ring and then to like you know just jack over the ring for no reason it just it just makes no sense. Or for the pettiness reasons that they're getting in trouble, it just makes no sense. And so you know as I'm writing these stories and reading yeah. researching each one of these people, it's just mind boggling. But what I what I've come to realize is that I believe that the reason why they continue doing what they're doing is they, because they've been getting away with it. And then finally, you know, when they get to that level, I guess, you know, they think that they're above the law and then finally they get exposed. And so it's people like you that's like, well, how did they get to this point? How did they get there? Was well, because of the fact that they've been doing it all along. No one said something or people, people didn't want to say something for fear, you know, a ripper man or, or whatever ridicule and so it took them getting to this level for them to be exposed but it's it's horrible for the public because now the public has been subjected to this when the public shouldn't have but you know where do you stop it it starts at a you know it starts way back then when someone should have said something but you know people that we as we know people don't always speak up when they should it's not until that person has been exposed publicly and then you have a line of people saying well yeah i knew about this i knew about that and it's like why didn't you say something earlier well, people were afraid to because they don't want to get, um, you know, accused of, of, of not liking this person or either, um, you know, uh, deemed to be some kind of a troublemaker because they are telling the truth about whatever that person did. Right. We're getting into the point of society where perception is truth and true, real truth is suppressed. Correct. And right. that's we have the social media, so anything that's on social media is 100% uh, accurate. <laughs> anything that's on the news. Yeah, which is scary. Yeah. Um, anything that's on the news, if you watch the same station all your life, you're only going to watch that one station because they're 100% accurate in what they're telling you. We don't have true journalism anymore. I mean, sure. seriously, we have a, our media is now, they give you the story, you read the story, you don't, you form an opinion of the story and the opinion is now truth. Correct. That, that, I mean, that's sad, but that's absolutely, uh, that's absolutely true. I actually, um, kind of, in the same, same lines of what I was just talking about, people not coming forward, I was just reading, and I don't know if you've been paying attention to all this stuff with the, uh, the Ellen DeGeneres, and it, it, she's been on the air since, what, 2003, and so now all these stories are coming out about the fact that there's been this toxic work environment. She was, you know, allegedly, she was aware mm -hmm. of it, and, you know, all this other kind of stuff, and as I'm reading this stuff, I'm just like, you know, it's, it's sad because these people who allegedly said these things happened, didn't feel that they could come forward to say that and that this has been going on allegedly for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of mind boggling, you know, to know that the possibility that these things have been happening, but it, it again, it goes back to the judges about people knowing things about situations or people and afraid to come forward. And this thing, you know, goes on for a long time, like, you know, like with some of the people who I'm writing about, where these people, it was like 10 years, 15 years that these people had been doing these things. And it was a well-known fact, but no one would step up 
and it's, it's similar to this story, reading the same story, where people have known about these for years, but uh, people were afraid to step up because they didn't want to get, um, you know, retaliated against, mm -hmm. or they don't want to get, be, you know, be told as, like I said, to be a troublemaker. And so it seems like that's that, I don't know, it's that mindset or that, that, that thing that everybody does in all of these different um, areas of work or, or different places where they're uh, interacting, where they don't feel like they are comfortable to come forward um, or to tell, you know, to tell exactly what's going on. And so right. the, the book that I'm writing will be very interesting to kind of just highlight that situation. And I'm actually writing another book that talks about, um, it's going to be Mardi Gras related, and it's going to be almost that same type of story where people knew this person was toxic and nobody wanted to come forward until it became a public issue and then everybody decided to come forward. Right. It does, when you have a toxic person, no one wants to say anything because, oh, they know X, Y, and Z, who these people are. They're so well known. If I go against this one person, then X, Y, and Z is going to hate me. That's the mindset. So, but then you have another person go, oh, no, I have to speak up. I cannot hold my tongue any longer. And then when that comes out, it snowballs. Then we find out there's 10, 15, 20 years of dirty laundry out there. Correct. Well, not to give away the story that I'm working on, but one of the books, I did that. I So when I learned what was going on within this particular um, organization, I did, because I, I, and it's my ethics, my integrity. I, there's just certain things I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a part of, and I didn't want my name mm -hmm. or anything with me associated with it. So I did speak up. And when I did, no one, no, no one basically was like, you know, not necessarily I needed them to be there to say, yeah, you're right. But there was no, there was silence when it came to that. Mm -hmm. And it's only recently now that this person is being exposed. Um, but again, I can't get into all of the particulars because mm -hmm. I don't want to give away my, uh, my story. But it was once the person publicly was exposed, exposed themselves, then you have all of these people saying this and this and this. Well, I said that five years ago, but nobody wanted to listen. And, and that's the thing. See, for me, I'm going to stand up, and that's one of the things that I talk about, and that's what the book, again, what the book is about, is telling people that it's okay to stand up, and it's okay to stand up by yourself, and I'm okay standing up by myself, and that's why I did. And, you know, for some people, they can't do it, and I don't know if it's either you're afraid to do it, or, you know, it's, it's just a situation where they, you know, they just don't feel like they have that voice, but these stories are here to tell you that you do have that voice within yourself, and you can stand up. And um, you know, and tell and tell someone that this is wrong or or whatever, and be okay with the fact that everybody may not believe you or nobody may not believe you. But as long as you know it's the truth, you don't owe an explanation to anyone whether they believe it or not. Right. You. No one. You know. If I can talk today, you do not owe anyone anything. It doesn't matter who you are. You owe nothing to anyone else but yourself. As long as you know it's the truth here in, in your heart, that's all you need. You do not have to prove it to the world. It's wonderful when you do, because then we get to expose a bunch of corruption that needs to be fixed. Right. But at the same time, you have to do it for yourself. Right. And for some people, they just can't. You know, mm -hmm. for some people, it takes other people doing it for them to be able to do it. And... Again, I don't want to give away too much of my story, but 
one of the things that I felt like I wanted to, the reason why I, I went to trial and I didn't do the things that they wanted me to do was just to accept a deal. One of the things that I, um, I did was, the reason why I went through the trial was, if I wouldn't have stood up to what was going on, then that meant the next woman that came along that had the exact same incident was going to be put in that position that I was, meaning that they couldn't stand up for themselves. What I wanted to make sure is that people knew that it was not okay for a stranger to, to approach anyone in a parking lot. And you ask that stranger to leave. The stranger does not leave. The stranger tells a lie to the police and then you get arrested. Mm -hmm. That scenario, none of that scenario should ever happen. So my purpose of actually standing up against this whole thing was to let someone know that it's not okay and that you are right and don't let them think that you are wrong because that sounds crazy that someone that you didn't know can tell a story and say that, oh yeah, she said, leave me alone. But then yet I'm the one going to jail. That doesn't make sense. And, right. and it's wrong. And that's why I stood up and I want other women to know that they can do that as well. Right. And this, is, this could be a lesson. I mean, you can read the book and get all your story and everything else. But if you take it out and take it as a lesson to stand up for yourself, just that one lesson, that can be implemented Correct. if you're in an abuse situation, that can be implemented in a harassment situation, that can be implemented in so many different things in our lives day to day. Correct. And that's, that's why I wrote it. It was basically to give that voice to, to all women, black and white, Latino, whatever race, all women to, to stand up against bullies. This was, this was a bullying tactic. Mm -hmm. It was, it was somebody trying to quiet, quiet me. And I was not going to be quiet and I wasn't going to be silent because that's what they want women to do. They want women to be quiet. You're, you know, you're, you know, we don't want to hear you. We want you to, you know, to stand, sit over here and just look pretty or whatever. But, but I can look pretty, but I can also, I, I also have a mind and I can say something. And right. so it was, it was, um, it was my duty to stand up and, and, and to say, this is wrong. And to, um, to try to highlight the fact of why it was wrong. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was, it was just crazy to me um, that I was put in the position but at the time, I didn't understand why, but I understand now because now I have this story and I have a story of other women's stories that I'm now able to, to tell. And so that's what brought me to this journey because otherwise, if there was no arrest, there would be no bitch hunt. Right. It, it, you have to, ha see, this is what sucks. You have to arrest the right kind of wrong person to expose <laughs> a lot of injustice. Because the right, wrong person is going to go, oh, this is not going to end well for you. Exactly. And, and I, um, one of the things that I talk about all the time is standing in my truth. Mm -hmm. And I knew what the truth was. See, they only knew half the story because they only listened to this half the story. Mm -hmm. And so once they got the full story, you know, it was like, okay. But to me... It, I shouldn't have even had to do all of that, mm -mm. but that's fine. And I'm glad that I did. But the stuff, the things that he said enough to the police shouldn't have never warranted, warranted me getting arrested, um, you know, by him giving his false, his false statements and me mm -hmm. falsely getting, you know, 
getting falsely arrested because every he basically told on himself when he said, oh yeah, I didn't know her. And oh yeah, she told me to leave her alone. And you know, it was like, oh, I just, he was like, the story was, oh, I approached her. No, she didn't know me. And all of a sudden I just went crazy and I just wanted to shoot him with a gun. And the crazy thing was, if that was true, the person wouldn't have been there to tell the story. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was not shot shows that, that there wasn't this angriness because if the person was really angry, then the person would have been shot. Nobody pulls out a gun and says, I have it if they're angry, according to him. And then just say, oh, I have it. And, you know, won't you go away? That's not how that goes. If I was angry, according to him. Yeah. That didn't didn't even meet, you know, the criteria. Right. In the theory of this person that accused you, you were angry. You told him you had a gun. You didn't wave it around. But that's what he said. Yeah. He said that he walked up and was like, oh, can I help you? And I just went, get away from me and grabbed the gun. And I started waving it around. Yeah. One, a concealed weapons holder, 98% of the time will not just wave it around. They're going to pull it, they're going to point it, and they're going to give you the option to either leave quietly or you're shot. Well, now really, you actually cannot take it out and point it. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that I learned and when I got my concealed carry was um, don't point the gun unless you intend to shoot. Right. So um, there would have had to have been a, um, there was a fear threat that was going on. Um, but, a, but, a, but there's always that, um, um, to try to defuse the situation. I'm looking for the other word, but I can't think mm-hmm. of it. So to defuse the situation. So that's what kind of transpired where I tried to do that. Basically, I announced that I had it. Mm-hmm. There was never a, presentation of the firearm making its presence um, in in his case as he claimed but that was the story but listening to that as a cop if a person would have told me that they they, they approached a stranger and it was a, and, and the fact that it was a woman and this is a man and you don't know this person mm-hmm. and which he didn't say he snuck up on me but even still you approach this person the person didn't know you I would think as a cop well, of course, the woman probably was was scared. Mm-hmm. And especially if she said, go away. So how do you then get to the other stuff? Yeah. And that's how you know it's all about, you know, the race situation. Yeah. Or you're trying to do that because you should never even get to the, the female. The whole conversation should be directed at that person. Well, okay, you were a stranger. You said she said to leave her alone. So that that's the end of the story. There is no, there is no what else happened after that. Because mm-hmm. once the person says no, because no is a complete sentence, then you need to leave. There is no more discussion. No, period. That's a complete sentence. Yes, it is. And we teach this to women all the time. Just say no, and that's going to protect you. Well, we see when your case, that's not what happens no, in reality. No. I mean, we teach... Actually, oh, go ahead. We teach women that a restraining order is going to protect you. Well, it doesn't. So where is the legal system? It's failing women. It really, it's failing. Right. Well, and and, and again, I didn't tell him no once. I didn't even tell him no twice. I didn't even tell him no three times. 
I told him no several times. I told him go away several times. I told him I was not interested several times. So it wasn't even it wasn't even three times. I it, it may have been between five to ten times. I, I I'm you know I'm not one hundred percent sure, yeah. and I don't know what I wrote in the book, but it was trust me when I tell you it was more than once. Yeah. It was more than twice. It was more than three times. I actually even had to yell. Even when I started yelling, it still didn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it still was no movement. Even when I started, because I had to start kind of getting, then I actually started getting aggressive because it was like, okay, I've already said this, I've already said that. So then it was like, okay, I need to put a little What's distance. What's the next step? Right. And like, you know, and now I'm looking because I'm like, okay, what is going on here? Because normally, if you tell somebody, I'm not interested, go away, leave me alone and all of that, that's an indication they want you to do that. That's not an indication that you want to continue a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, there was no conversation because basically he kept saying whatever he was saying and I kept saying, leave me alone, go away, I'm not interested, no, leave me alone, no, go away. And then the yelling started and then he got agitated because of the fact that he wasn't getting what he wanted. Yeah. Well, it's so he, nice to have you. The nerve of me not to want whatever he was trying to do and then the nerve of me to be upset and then you then then start to turn and say, you know, negative things about me, which I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'll be all of those things that you called me as long as you're going away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was so wonderful to have you on the show today. Where can our listeners and our viewers find you? So um, the book is available on pretty much on, on online, any of the resources of Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, I think it's on Apple Books and, you know, you can get it as a Kindle. Um, I'm on the, I'm on uh, Facebook, I'm on uh, Instagram under my name, Tatrice Harrison. Um, I use the same name for everything because it's easier. And um, it's on, I'm on Twitter, but I don't use Twitter that much. The main places I use is Facebook and Instagram. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And to all of our listeners and viewers, happy reading.